You are listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. How many of you guys are phone people? Anybody just love to be on the phone, talk on the phone, get phone calls? Not so many. How many of you are like anti-phone people? Any of those? Yeah, more of those. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. Like I kind of hate my phone, but I recognize that it's a necessary evil. Like I got to have it because people, you know, communicate and that's what you do. But there's just so many things that I don't like about phones. I don't like the way they just, you know, take over our life and people are always like, sorry, I can't pay attention to my kids because I'm playing Angry Birds. You know, it's like, sorry. And things like that are going on. Not to mention the awkward things that can happen on phones. Maybe, maybe this has happened to you. You answer the phone, you're like, hello. And they're like, hey. And you're like, hey. And they're like, blah, 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 blah. And they just start talking. And you go, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> so you, th- you think you had to go to like Sherlock Holmes mode and like try to look for clues. Like, oh, who, who is this? Who can-? Oh, they mentioned the cookout. The co- which cookout? Was it the 4th of July cookout? Oh, it might be Betty. Wait, wait. Is it a woman or a man? Let me listen more. You know, it's like you're doing all this stuff. That, that could go wrong. Or, or maybe this has happened to you. This is annoying to me. I'm like, hello. And they're like, who is this? I'm like, wait a second. No, 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 no. Who is you? You called me. Don't you call me asking me who is this. You called me. I get to ask who is this. That ever happened to you? This is the classic, okay? So it's, it, it, it's, it's uh, your, your sleep, right? Your phone rings. And then you look at the caller ID and you're like, oh, I need to talk to that person. So then you, you like clear your throat. <clears> throat> like, so you sound at least halfway alive and you answer the phone. Hello? The person on the other line goes, oh, hey, oh, I'm sorry, did I wake you up? And no one tells the truth at this moment. Everyone's like, no, no, I'm good. Like, who, who sleeps at 3.30 in the morning? Not me. <laughs> Of course, yeah, I'm so glad you called. We do that. It's funny uh, because there's some weird things that could go wrong with phones. But occasionally, you get a phone call that will change your life. It doesn't happen to everyone. But there are these times when people have gotten phone calls. I mean, there's this phone call, ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hi, I want to inform you that you got your dream job. Hi, I want to inform you that you got accepted into this, you know, prestigious institution or this college or this thing that you were wanting. A call could effectively change your life. It really could. And it's that idea of a call that I want to step into today. Because sometimes we hear about this idea of a call from God. God's calling me to do this. He's telling me to do that. And I think, especially, especially those of us that hadn't like, spent a lot of time in church or thinking about this whole God thing much, you hear the idea of God calling, and your question is, what does that even mean? We're going to unpack that some today. We're beginning a series called A Life Worth Watching, and we're going to focus primarily on one man in the Bible this time, um, one man named Abraham. And As I look over our culture today, one thing I've realized is this. We are a culture that is fascinating with watching other people. We really are. I mean, we we love, we are people who, we are completely into tabloid television. You know, and I've got to find out who Brad Pitt is going to marry and how many children he's going to adopt. i got to know about that. i got to know about what's going on with with Justin Bieber and who he's dating right now. Like, it's a really big deal. Like, i got to know that right now. And we get really sucked into this, and it it bleeds over into other parts of our life. Like, you know, we, we, we keep up with people on Twitter. You know, and there's, there's celebrities who tweet something, and it's, wow, that was, that was incredibly 
You know, it was, was mind-boggling. I'm going to be some really creative person. I'm going to retweet that. You know, and we kind of put that back out into the tweetosphere. And there's so much, we love to just focus on what other people are doing with their life. And, and it's not just famous people. Uh, it is famous people to some degree. But more recently, it's not so much about celebrities as it is that hometown hero. You know, that guy or that lady or that kid who's done something incredible. And so you see, you know, these news reports. It's, it's the fluff pieces on, on great, uh, great community servants and what they're doing. And we're like, we get all amped up about them. Or it's the YouTube videos that we watch about the kids who are being reunited with their dads or moms who have been off in Afghanistan for, you know, nine months or two years. And it's, it makes us cry. And we're like, oh. And, you know, all those things are great. But what happens is... We begin to live vicariously through somebody else's experiences. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Facebook is the weirdest thing because you, someone that you have not seen in 10 years, you can join them on their family vacation. It's a little bit creepy. And you know, I post pictures of my kids and someone I haven't seen, I don't even recognize their faith. They're like, oh, she's growing up so fast. I'm like, get off my computer. Who are you? Is it possible that we're so fascinated by other people's lives because maybe our lives are a little boring? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe that's not you. Maybe it is. It's just a question I want to throw out there. Why are we so fascinated with other people's lives? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? There's debate about that. But today I want to take a turn in that conversation because whether that's good or bad, I don't, I don't care. Because what I believe is this. I believe we can move individually from being people who spend our whole life watching the lives of other people to being and living a life worth watching. You see the difference? Because on the one hand, we see these people that they're the most fascinating people in the Cape Fear region or whatever it is, and we're so excited about that person's life, but what if we could take a shift and start to live in such a way where other people notice the way we're living and go, man, there's something different happening there. There's something intriguing happening there. There's something that i got to know that they know. It's a life worth watching. And in this series, we're going to see how we can make that transition. And I want to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, okay? It's going to be a four-week series, and there's going to be one single word that is going to be the, the anchor point for this entire four-week study on a life worth watching. And it comes here. The way to live a life worth watching, the key ingredient, the secret component, is faith. It's faith. By living a life of faith, we can become people who live a life worth watching. And so to do that, we're going to study this one particular life worth watching, this guy named Abraham. Abraham is, is a very important figure uh, in the Bible and even in world history. And as you look at the life of Abraham, you see all these amazing things he does. And, and we can definitively say he lived a life of faith. But you know where it all began? It all began with a very important call. One of those calls that will change your life. One of those calls that when you hear the person on the other line, you go... This can't be happening, but this is real. 
a life worth watching. So we're going to check out Abraham. Abraham, uh, he's going to be at the center of this series, and so I think we should get to know him a little bit. Um, let's take a few minutes to get to know him. We find Abraham living uh, near the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible is split, in, split into two major sections. There's the Old Testament, which is the stories of people that lived before the time of Jesus, and then there's the New Testament. The New Testament is stories of people that lived during and after the time of Jesus, Jesus being the central figure in all of Christianity. But in the Old Testament, where we find Abraham we're at the very beginning, the first book of the Bible called Genesis. The word Genesis means beginnings, or perhaps in the beginning. And so you've got Genesis, and we've got the Genesis, the beginnings of God's people. And we find Abraham, uh, he lived about 2,000 years before Jesus. He lived in, in a region called Ur, and Ur was kind of a, the cultural center of a nation or a people group called the Sumerians. If you remember your your, uh, I don't know, first, second grade geography and, and world history, you might remember that the Sumerians were the very first major civilization in the world, and they're the people who kind of get us in the mindset of being a nation and having cities under a unified government, and so that's the Sumerians, and we find Abraham during that time period, and he's living in and around the area called Ur. Ur was a cultural center of the world at that time, and this is where strong religion was happening and, and, and strong finances were happening and strong production and import and export were really kicking up right there in Ur. You might call Ur kind of the New York City of Abraham's day, okay? And so it was just like the hub of a lot of activity. When we find Abraham, he's a pretty wealthy guy. Uh, in the story that we're about to jump into, he's like 75 years old, which is kind of a spry young man in this time period. People were living a lot longer back then. We're closer to God's perfection and creation, and so uh, our bodies had not quite given up the way they do today, and, and people are living a little bit longer. Kind of a cool thing going on there. But when we find him, he's 75 years old, which is still a little old for this one particular point. He didn't have any children. He and his wife, Sarah, also called Sarai, Abraham, also called Abram, same two people, they don't have any children. Though they live in great prominence and wealth. Abraham had hundreds of people that worked under him in what he called his household. So they were servants and slaves and people that, that helped him with his day-to-day -day chores of taking care of the sheep. He was a herdsman. But by all accounts, he was just another man in history. Until one day, he gets this call that changes his life. I, I want to jump into that call. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, like I said chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible with you today, that's cool. We'll have the, the scriptures up on the screen. Uh, but we do want to encourage people to read their Bibles and bring Bibles from home. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we've got Bibles we give away. So please see one of our volunteers in the back before you leave and say, hey, I don't have a Bible. You said they have free ones. Totally no big deal. They want to give you one as long as we have them. Um, but we'll be in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, let's just step right into Abraham's story. It kind of starts abruptly. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Lot was Abraham's nephew, so, and they were pretty close. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, where he was at the time. And so you look at this picture, and, and maybe you've heard this before. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this story. This is the genesis, the beginning of an important story. In fact, the very beginning of God's building a plan to create a nation that becomes the nation that, that eventually Jesus comes out of. This is the moment in history that, that just shifted time and began that process in happening. And what I want you to notice is this amazing call 
that God gives Abram. He says, Abram, I want you to pack up and leave. Remember I said Abram was wealthy. Abraham lived in a very influential region. Abraham was probably someone who just had it made. And God comes to him with this call. It's time to move. As we unpack this small verse here, we're also going to look at some of the other verses from the early part of Abram's life. But uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to look at other aspects. But as we unpack this, this passage today, I want to ask this question. What can we learn about faith by watching Abram, by watching Abraham? What can we learn about faith and how we can apply it to our lives? And so uh, there's a list of things. If you're a note taker, there's going to be several little bulleted things. If you're not a note taker, just you know, disregard the previous comment I just made. And we'll just go through and, and look at some things that we can learn about faith from watching Abraham's story unfold. The first thing is this. It's, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, uh, pretty obvious. But it's a little bit churchy. This, this is the thing. God calls people. God calls people. He does it with Abraham here. It's kind of a churchy concept to talk about God calling people, and especially if you're here and you haven't done a whole lot of church, and you're just like, yeah, I've been wondering about that. Like, people talk about being called by God to do something. How does that work exactly? I will never forget standing uh, in a conversation with two friends of mine in high school, and, and one of them was a, uh, a Christian, and one of them was was not a Christian. Both of them very strong in their position, right? And so we're talking, and the Christian friend says, you are not going to believe this, guys. I've discovered God's call on my life. Oh, I'm so excited because God's calling me to do this, and he's calling me to do that. And I'll be real honest, I don't remember what he got called to. I, I don't know what God was calling him to do. What I do remember is the look on my other friend's face. And so that guy walks away, and the friend who, who wasn't a Christian says, what in the world was he talking about? God called him? Like, did he hear God's voice? What does that mean? And I'll be honest, as a teenager, I remember thinking, that's a really good question. That is a really good, what does it mean for God to call you? Now, I've lived more life now, and I've been able to experience what, it, what, it, what it's like to, to have some certainty of what God wants you to do uh, in your life. And, and I've come to this place where, where now my understanding, looking at the Bible and just seeing people's experiences this, what does it mean to be called by God? It happens in a lot of different ways. It happens in a lot of different ways, and I could, I could liken it to being in the woods with my children, okay? And we're playing, I don't know, capture the flag or hide and seek, and game's over, and it's time to go home, and I'm dad, and I'm standing on one of the trails, and I go, okay, guys, it's come to, time to come in. Come on in. Now, they're way out in the woods, and they've got to come towards me. And initially, all they hear is my call. But here's one thing. They don't know the specific directions. They don't know exactly what tree I'm standing beside or how long it's going to take for them to get there. But what they do know is the general direction of my voice. Many times the first time we hear the call of God, it's, it's a moment where we just we kind of get that general direction of God's voice. And we're just kind of like, well, what I figured out is he ain't that way. <laughs> Maybe I should start heading this way. And the closer and closer we get to understanding who God is and what he wants from us and what the Bible says about him and about life, it begins to hone in. And my kids get closer to me in the woods and I say, hey, hey. And they're like, Dad, we, we hear you, but we don't know exactly where you are. We're standing at the, uh, the trailhead with the big tree, with the whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, turn left at that trail and take the second right. And they're like, oh, those are more clear instructions. A call from God can happen in many ways, and oftentimes it begins as kind of a broad directional call. Just come back to me. Come in my direction. It can happen for us in, in kind of a still, small voice just moving inside of us. It's that moment where you're just like, something's not right. So, something's not right. So, 
I don't know what's wrong, but something's not right and something's got to change. It's that general feeling. God uses that to stir us. Sometimes it's a little more specific, like our conscience. And we know specifically now, okay, this one thing, every time I do it, I'm just guilty. (laughs) God uses our conscience to help us be straight because he created us to be moral beings who seek him. He really did. He designed us that way. And so it's a good thing. And so then it gets, it gets closer and closer. Oftentimes, as we're seeking God uh, in our life, we begin to hear more and more, for example, in conversation and something that someone said to us. And so you might be just sitting here right now or in a previous uh, teaching time here at Venture, or maybe you've listened to a podcast of another sermon or you've been to another church. And, and as someone was talking about God, something hits you and you're like, that's truth. I need to follow that. And it hones in, and it hones in, and it might be in something that you read, and it might be in, in just a, a, a clear thing that you set out and said, man, obviously doors are closing in this area, and doors are opening in this area. So calling from God can be different for different people, and it kind of it has a broad way of happening. But in this instance, it was certain, because God speaks to Abraham in an audible voice. It was February of 2011, and I had been in youth ministry for about 10 years. Uh, I was working as you know, a teacher and a mentor in, in a church for teenagers, and, and I loved it. Um, I was at this conference in Durham uh, with my students, and we had gone to the Carolina Christian Youth Conference, which some of you teenagers in here today might be going in February. Um, awesome conference. If you have teenagers in your family or that you know about, please get with me or somebody that might know, because we wanna, want your kids to go to this conference. But anyway... I was there, I'd taken some students, and um, there was this, there was this set, settledness in my life. Like, things were, things were good. I had, I had done this, this job, youth ministry, for, for 10 years. I loved my house, I loved my neighborhood, I loved my job, I loved my income. That was great. I loved the things that I was doing. I loved the people that I hung around with. I loved my neighbors. I loved the neighborhood my kids were going to grow up in. I loved the school system they were going to be in. I loved it all. And I go to this conference, thinking everything was put together, everything was just right. There was this other guy at the conference. His name was Dave. Dave didn't know what was going on in my life. He had no idea. But he approached me at the conference, and he said, Hey, Chris, listen, you don't know who I am, uh, but I've been talking to some people about you. Uh, Let me tell you who I am. Uh, I work with several organizations in the state of North Carolina that help new churches get started. And I've been talking to people about you, and I think think you're you're a guy we're looking for. I I want to partner with you and help help get you in a position where you can go into a new community and start a new church. To which I said, you must be talking to the wrong guy. Because, let me explain this to you. I got everything just the way I want it. I got the job I want, the neighborhood I want, the family I want, the income I want, the, the city I want. I mean, we're good. We're good. Maybe You're probably thinking about somebody, a different Chris. Easy mistake. A lot of Chris's in the world. So from that point... I have this stirring in my heart, something that I can't explain. I, I want to continue that story in just a minute, but to say this is, is, is true, I, I was blown away. I was blown away that this opportunity showed up because this was not the plan, and I didn't know anything about working with a new church. I had no idea what it meant to start a new church, but suddenly, I just felt like God might just be calling me. And if it was nothing else, it was scary. I'll finish this story in a few minutes, but here's here's what I've learned. Abraham's life and his adventures, uh, they're unique in some ways, 
But in this one particular way, it's not unique. Because God calls people. In fact, I would say he calls all of us. Not the same way that he called Abraham. Maybe not the same way that he called me or or you. But he calls all of us. God calls. What did we learn about Abraham's story initially? It's that God calls. You know, as we think about the idea of God calling, I'm wondering, what is... What might he be calling you about? Are there some things on your table right now? There's been some stirrings in your heart, some things that that are going on. Maybe you've been coming to church here for a while. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe, I don't know. Let's explore some options. Because before we leave today, I I want to be in a place where everyone in the room could go, okay, I get it. God calls people, and he's, he's, he's calling me. And what does that mean? So let's just start with this. Maybe for you, there's just this thing in your life that you know you need to stop doing. Or this thing in your life that you know you need to start doing. And it's been just kind of moving around in you for a little while. Especially when you start to think about how it connects with God. That's God calling. It really is. It's God using our circumstances to move us. Maybe uh, for you it's just, you've been in this relationship for a little while with this girl, this guy, and God is calling you to like, end it. and break, break up with that person. It's just time, it's time to do that. Because I've got this plan for your life and right now you're just kind of heading in a different direction. Maybe that's stirring inside of you. Maybe that's God calling. Maybe he's calling you because you've been coming for a little while now, and you're like, I just need to become a Christian. Like, it seems to be the smart thing to do. It seems to make sense, and I've looked at all the things, and I've, I've listened, and I need to maybe pursue this intentionally and become a Christian. You know what? That's, that's God calling. He's knocking on your heart and saying, come on, listen. Maybe for you, it's, it's to get more involved at, at church and say, you know, I need to find a volunteer position where I can contribute to what's happening here, and I can help other people. Maybe I need to get involved in a small group so I can grow. Maybe for you, it's your finances. You know, when you talk about faith, it's interesting because uh, at church, a lot of times we talk about finances, and and especially people, we say, hey, we're church for people who don't like church, and and some of the first things people have asked me is, does it mean you never talk about money? Because I hate it when you talk about money at church. And I say, we talk about money in a healthy way. We're not talking about money in a destructive way. and So let's think about finances for a minute. You know what God wants us to do with our finances? He wants us to be wise. He wants us to be good stewards, take good care of them. And he wants us to be generous. He wants us to be happy and cheerful with our finances. But I think a lot of times we live in a culture where it's just easy to be wasteful and, and, and dumb with our finances. What is God calling you to do with your finances? Maybe that's something that God's been pulling you towards. Maybe just right now. Maybe, man, something big. Maybe, maybe God has been stirring in your heart to actually leave your career. Do something completely different. Why? So you can fully invest in serving in his kingdom. How about that? Because I know of people who have left jobs and said, I'm actually going to be a missionary or I'm going to go work with this organization so I can help people with the love of Jesus. Here's the deal. I went through a list of stuff just then. And, and for you, right then, maybe your heart began to beat a little bit as I hit one of those points. Or as it spun your mind off into a different place. I want to tell you something. That's God calling. That's God calling right now, and he's saying, listen, I want you to do something with your life. I want you to quit living a life of watching other people, and I want you to live a life worth watching. And there's something else I learn about faith, especially that God calls from Abraham's story. This is just kind of a short one. Many times when God calls us, in fact, I would say every time when God calls us, it's not easy. Think about what Abraham's being asked to do. Move away from this place where he is deeply rooted and go somewhere. And God says, go to the place that I will show you. 
Abraham's like, uh, where, God? Where do you want me to go? I'll show you. Yeah, but where? Like, which direction? Just start walking. I'll show you. It's not easy. And here's why it's not easy. I, I don't know, you know, some Bible scholars in the room could help me out here, but, you know, you just think about this and look through the Bible and think about all the times when God used someone to do something. Answer this question. How many times did God call someone to something easy? Do the math, tabulate, get out your calculator, check their blogs. I'm going to tell you the answer is never, none, not once. Not once does God go to someone and say, listen, here's it. It's really no big deal. I could probably get anybody to do this, so I don't even know why I'm mentioning it, but if you could just handle this small thing, no big deal. No, because God, when he talks about faith, he wants us to do things that require us to trust him. If it's something easy, it doesn't take any trust. It doesn't take trust to do something easy. God says, I want you to fully rely on me. That's why I'm calling you to this place. That's why I'm calling you to this thing, to this notion, to this idea. It's not easy. So, first thing we learn, God calls people. And sub point, it's not easy. God wants us to trust him. He wants us to be fully invested. The second thing that we learn from watching Abraham is this, that God promises. God calls people and God promises. When we look at Abraham's story, God says, listen, I want you to move. Move from your father's household. Move from your land. Go to the place I'll show you. And I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. I'll make your name great. Anyone who blesses you, I'll bless. Anyone who curses you, a curse. And you will be a blessing to all people. That's a huge promise, man. If I get that promise, I'd be blown away. God's calling come with promises. And however God's calling you right now, I want you to know that call includes a promise. Maybe God's calling you to stop doing whatever it is you're doing or start doing whatever it is you're doing. You know what? He promises to actually help you and put people in your life to help you with that. And and he can lead you towards being a whole and healthy person. God is calling you that and he makes a promise. He sees that throughout scripture. We see people doing that. And maybe he's calling you to become a Christian. You know what? If you become a Christian, the promise of that is huge. He promises you a new life. He promises you a fresh start. He promises you a new perspective. Maybe he's calling you to get involved by serving uh, with venture in another way or, or, or somehow in the kingdom by being a servant in that way. You know what? He's calling you that by doing that, you will make a difference in, people, difference in people's lives. You will make an impact. I promise you that. Maybe he's calling you to be generous in giving with your money and faithful and, and, and wise. I love this passage. It's one of the, the clearest and boldest promises God makes to us. This is in Malachi. It's in the Old Testament. It's a prophet named Malachi. And this is what he says in Malachi 3.10. He says, bring the whole tithe. The, the tithe is, is, is a way that they defined their offering. It was actually a 10% of their income is what they gave back to serving God. And so he says, bring the whole tithe. This is God talking. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. And so we think, wow, trusting God with my money? But when God gives us a call, he also gives us a promise. My wife is reading a book right now called Leading and Loving It, and I was talking to her about this concept, and she shared with me this thing. She taught me this from this book. It's it's, it's a pretty cool concept that the author says. Here it is. When a promise is made, there are two parties that exist, the promiser and the promisee. The responsibility lies with the promiser. You are not the promiser. Trust God. He called you to this moment. Trust him. He's the promiser, and he will come through. So we learned that everyone 
gets a call of some kind. And we learned that calls come with a promise. Another thing is this, and it's the huge part of our, of our whole series. It takes faith to respond. Look at Abraham's journey. When he's set and all of a sudden he decides, wait, i got to move? I've got to trust God in this. Let me give you an excellent uh, definition. It's a simple definition for faith. I want you just to, to, to write it down in your mind, memorize this. Uh, it's, it's something that comes from Scripture, but it's been reworded so that it's very, very easy to remember. This is faith, definition of faith. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. That's faith on a very basic level. Let me say it again for you in case that's the first time you've heard it. Faith is believing that God is who he says he is. God says, I'm God, I'm the provider, I'm the creator, I am the forgiver, I am the person who loves you. Believing that God is who he says he is and believing he will do what he says he will do. Because God's not a liar. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. That's why it takes faith for Abraham to move. Because he goes, man, this is going to be hard. But I, I believe that this guy is who he says he is and I believe he's going to come through with these blessings. I'm going to make the move. I want to tell you a little bit more about what happened that day in Durham for me uh, when I felt like I was hearing God's call. It was during a session at the conference a little later. I, I was sitting back near the, end of the back of the room just kind of praying, kind of wrestling with God about this whole idea. Like, what does it mean to get involved in new church work? And I, I'm arguing with God like, God, you do realize that I'm an idiot and I cannot do this, right? You realize that this is not something you're calling me to do. God, you do realize that I have absolutely no preparation for this. God, you realize that I'm pretty set. Like, didn't you already bless me one time with the life I have now? Like, what's, what's this plan? I don't understand where you're going with this. And I'm kind of arguing and wrestling with God. I don't even know what the students were doing. I probably should have been a better youth minister. But I was like literally just in this moment just going, God, this is huge. And I'm praying and this thing happens. These words come out of my own mind. I'm not going to say God spoke words into my mind. They came out of my own mind. But in my prayer, I stopped and said, God, just mark me. Mark me with the mark of Abraham. And then I said to myself, I said, self, what in the world are you talking about? What is the mark of Abraham? Like, I didn't mean anything, but it was as if on cue, God goes rolling through my Rolodex of information in my brain. He pulls up the file on Abraham, and I remembered immediately God said to Abraham, go to the place that I will show you. And Abraham went. And I stood up, and I walked out to the lobby. My wife, we, we work with the conference, and so my wife was working at registration. I walked to the desk, and we'd already been talking about this whole new church idea and like what that could mean. We, spent, we were up late the night before talking about it. And I walked in, and I was like, hey, listen, this is what just happened. So I tell her about this little prayer thing, me and God. And she goes, that's crazy. I was sitting here thinking the same thing. And it was in that moment that I realized it was going to take more than just a calling to do this. It was going to take faith. Knowing that God is who he says he is, and that he'll do what he says he would do. And that weekend began a journey, an, an adventure, I would say, an adventure that I cannot put into words in the time that we have. I've spent as much as four hours telling the story, literally, to friends of what it took to get me from that place to, well, this place and beyond, of what it means to have faith and trust God. And I had no idea how much this little five-letter word, faith, would guide me every step of the way. Because every time I'd hit a wall, I had to know, no, God is who he says he is, and he'll come through on his promises. Like, 
when I started down the path, I quickly learned something sobering. I learned that I was not ready to start a church. I wasn't. I quickly figured that out, which got my family uh, moved to Charlotte for a year. I, this guy, Dave, I was talking with him. That He's the guy that met me at the conference that night. And, and I agreed eventually to go work with him for an entire year as an apprentice and learn what in the world it means to start a new church and how do you meet new people and how do you have vision that's, that is, that is God-centered and how can you be humble enough to just shut up and work and do God's work? Like, how do you do that? It's been an entire year doing that. Um, it was interesting when we did that because what I also found out uh, was that was not a paying job to move to Charlotte. Uh, they, they were like, he was like, yeah, you're welcome to come. Oh, we can't pay you. Wow. How am I going to trust God for finances? Who's going to take care of my family? That eventually worked out. But you know what got us there? Faith. And we studied the needs of our state because it's interesting because we didn't initially know we were coming to Wilmington. It was kind of like tickling the back of my brain a little bit. But I didn't know. I just knew that this was an opportunity. And we spent an entire year studying the state and knowing the needs of the state, comparing that with what we felt was God's calling on, on our lives and, and my personality and my family's personality and, and what are the greatest needs. And when we went to tell our family where we were going, we said, hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, we're moving. Where? I don't know. I have no idea. It's going to be great. What? You know, imagine telling your father-in-law that, right? How did we get there? It's faith. It's knowing that God is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. In Abraham's story, we see this awesome calling where he decides to pack up and move. And it must have taken so much faith just to trust God that we're going to provide along the way. And in the Bible, it says in Genesis 15, 6, that God saw Abraham's faith and he credited it to him as righteousness. Like righteousness means that you're right with God, that you've done the right things. Abraham was someone who didn't even worship God before this moment. He probably bowed down to an idol for his entire life until God showed him this path. So there's no way that God was living an absolutely pure and perfect life. But when God looked at him, he didn't see the mistakes he made. What he saw was faith. You're trusting me, and I credit you with righteousness. Such a huge concept. And, you know, maybe in your situation, it's going to take some serious faith to listen and to respond to God and to obey to him like you should. And remember, God's call includes a promise. But part of that is for you to discover what the promise is. To have some good conversations, some good God-centered conversations, to open your Bibles and read them a little bit. A lot, actually. What does it mean to have faith? And don't forget that when we respond to God's call, that's when life's greatest adventure begins. It's when we go from living such a boring life that we have to watch other people live, to living a life worth watching. You see the transition taking place. So we learn that God does call people. We learn that it's not always easy. We learn that the call comes with a promise. We learned that the call takes faith. This next one is huge, and I got to tell you, man, I could do a whole other like four hours on just this. I won't. Don't worry. I won't. But here's the thing. With faith comes doubt. They are bedfellows. They hang out. Faith and doubt go hand in hand. There's a lot of things we can learn from Abraham's calling, but the first one of the last two that I want to share is that we will experience doubt on this journey. Earlier we looked at the original time God called Abraham, and it was probably pretty amazing that first time. Kind of like excited, as excited we, as we were in that hotel at that conference. We were like, this is awesome. This is awesome. But then we fast forward a couple years, and we find Abraham now in Genesis chapter 15. 
Things have taken a turn for Abraham, and he's got some doubts. Check out Abraham, uh, Abraham in Genesis 15, 1 through 3. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your very great reward. But Abraham said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus, this is one of his servants, Abraham said, You haven't given me any children, and so a servant in my household will be my heir. Remember the biggest promise that God gave to Abram? He said, I will make you into a great nation. And Abraham goes, How? I don't even have any kids. And time has passed, and he's now approaching God and saying, Listen, I get, I get that you're powerful, but I've been kind of walking for a little while now, and I'm still not quite sure where I'm going, and most importantly, my wife is still not pregnant. So could you explain this to me a little bit? Abraham has faith, and so he leaves his home, and he believes that God will give him many descendants, but eventually he begins having doubts. Those doubts going, did I, did I hear God wrong? Did, maybe I misunderstood what he meant by, I will make you into a great nation, and he has doubts. And you know what? Listen to me. I want to tell you something important. It's normal and it's okay to have doubt. It's normal and it's okay to have doubt. And if you've ever been experiencing some doubt along the way, it's normal and it's natural. This one author, this guy named Frederick Buechner, uh, he wrote this. I looked up some of his work and it's just, just a great author and this is something he says about faith and doubt. He says, whether your faith is that there is a God or that there is not a God, if you don't have any doubts, you're either kidding yourself or asleep. Because you've got to think through this. There's got to be a moment where you're saying, I don't know. <laughs> Let's measure this thing. It's natural to have doubts. And if you're going to live a life of faith and even beyond that, it's good to have some doubts. This is another thing that Buechner says. He says, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep you awake and moving. They make you question what you believe and what you think because you need to know it's natural and it's probably even good to have doubts. There's another writer. He lived hundreds of years ago. His name is John Doan. He said, to come to a doubt is the voice of God in our conscience. Would you know the truth? Doubt. Then you will inquire. And we may think of our doubts as the whisperings from the devil or something. It's coming in trying to mess us up in our faith. But what this guy kind of asserts is that maybe it's... Maybe it's God allowing that doubt to come in so that why? So that you'll take the time to think about what you believe. You'll take the time to study and research and dig in because God doesn't want a shallow people who don't understand his love and don't understand his grace and don't understand his faith and just takes everything at face value from whatever some preacher or some guy on the TV says. He says, no, I want you to dig in. I want you to discover me because I am deep and I am wide and I am something you can hold on to. You got doubts? That's okay. But if you're going to have doubts, guys, this is it. Take your doubts to God. What did we learn from Abraham? He took his doubts to God. He didn't go off gossiping at the bar about his doubts. He didn't go off and join some clinic somewhere where they're going to discover truth on their own, absent of all other truth factors like the Bible. No, no. He goes to God and he prays. He says, God, listen, you said all this, but I'm really doubting how this is going to happen right now. And I don't understand. Let's read some more of Genesis 15. This is how God replies to Abraham. He says, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, your servant, Eleazar, this man will not be your heir. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. You didn't misunderstand me. It's just not time yet, dude. 
I'm God. I decide when it's time. You walk, I create babies. Okay? That'll be the arrangement. Can we work that out, Abraham? And he took him outside. This is amazing. He says, look up at the heavens, Abraham. Count the stars if you can. (laughs) Can you count the stars? And then he says to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Repeatedly with Abraham, God reaffirms his call and especially reaffirms his promise, which is the last thing that I think we learn about faith from Abraham's story. And this is this, that in our doubts, God reaffirms his promise. Time after time, he will come through. If we take our doubts to him, he will show us ways, moments of light, moments of clarity, moments of joy, places of peace, times when we can go, that's right, you are who you say you are, and you will do what you say you will do. I trust you. And many times, he does this reaffirming in the middle of Abraham's deepest doubts, and that's just like God. Abraham doubts, and God doesn't say, how dare you doubt me? You're fired. I'm going to find a new father of many nations. No. He says, okay, I understand this is hard. This is your, your human brain is not really grabbing it right now. It's okay. God says, I'm going to do it. Remember the promise I made to you? I'm the promiser. And I'm on this. Don't be afraid. I'll confirm my promise to you. And God honors Abraham and he serves Abraham. And Abraham, especially in his time of doubt, is reaffirmed. Maybe for you right now, what you need is some of that reaffirmation. Maybe it can come from me. Let it come from me, if I, if I may. God does have a plan for you. God wants you to serve him. God wants you to walk with him. And I want you to think back from the place you were when you first began pursuing God to the place you are now and ask yourself, is it different? That can be reaffirming for many of us. Maybe it's only been a few days or a few weeks of a journey for you. Maybe it's been years. And you look back and go, huh. And at the very least, God allowed you to be at this point today where you could hear that God is a God of love who gives promises. And let this be affirmation of the promise to help you in your time of doubt. It's okay to have doubt. But let's take our doubts to God. And let's compare them to the promises he's given us and let him reaffirm what he's given us. God is so good and and he sees the big picture and I just want to share a last little part of my story. When we were in Durham that weekend, I had experienced doubts. I had experienced fear. I felt inadequate. And we moved on. We spent that year in Charlotte. Then we moved here a couple years back and just like, man, it's been a year and a half ago. We moved back. We moved here. Don't get me started on doubt. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. There were so many times I was sitting up here at Port City, Java, where I regularly hold office (laughs) Because I don't have an office. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting like, let me count all the people that I know in Wilmington who I think are going to go to church with me. <laughs> mm, three? Well, no, I can't count my family. Um, and I can't tell you how many times I felt, look at all these amazing churches around here. Why am I here again, God? Like, Because these guys, they got it going on. Like, And God continued hammering in me. The vision and the promise that he wanted me to hear. And you know what it was? Chris, I want you to trust me because there needs to be at least one more place in this city for people who would never go to church, for people who hear Christians talk and all they hear is blah, 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 for people to come in and find something real. 
And there needs to be just at least one more place in this city where that can happen. And I don't care if it's two people or 200 people or 2,000 people, but that's what I've called you to. Don't forget that. And I'd say, I'm kind of doubting that, God. I'm doubting that. And then I'd get an email from someone going, dude, we, we had a conversation in the park the other day. And it, I just want you to know something. It kind of changed my life. And I want you to know I'm on, I'm on board with what you're doing with the church thing. And then, and then I run into somebody at the coffee house who I'd been talking to for, for weeks and weeks and weeks and then find out that they're just like, hey, listen, what you're doing is a good thing. I, I, think, I think it's exactly what my family needs. Or to finally have launch Sunday here when almost two people, 200 people showed up and over 100 of them were first-time guests from Wilmington. And many of them were you. And I've heard the conversations, and it's not just going over my head. It's going straight to my heart. When you say, no, I've been looking for God, but I just didn't know where to start. And it happened this week when my wife was reading uh, the Bible with my son. He was reading his kid's Bible to her, and, and they were reading about the first church in the book of Acts. And how they began by just meeting in people's homes and sharing love and meal with each other. And my son looked up at my mom and said, at my mom, at his mom, and said, wow, mom, that's exactly what we're doing with Venture, except we have the YMCA. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, God calls people. And you can go from a life from where you're watching other people live to living a life of faith, which is a life worth watching. And no matter where you are, in the room this morning, in your faith, in your understanding of God, in your understanding of a calling, what I want you to know is that that little still small voice that you hear in the back of your head right now, that's God calling. Pick up the phone and see where that takes you. You'll live a life worth watching. Can I pray with us today? Let's pray. God, we thank you for our time. Lord, it's amazing to see how you work in people like Abraham, people like me, people like... um, Man, some of the people who are the core members of, of this, this church group that started, and, and then to realize it's not about us at all, it's about you. Um, God, help us live a life worth watching by living a life of faith. And we lift this all up to you, in Jesus' name, amen.